What's up, everybody? You are tuned into the Elks Call with the Elks Herd. My name is Scout, aka the Rep from Section X. And I'm Catherine, aka the Even Elks. And today we have a very special guest for you the owner of Momentum Customs and the artist for the Edmonton Elks Cleats of Strength program. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Sinjin Sperling. Sinjin, how are you How's doing today? Good, good. good. Oh, thanks a ton for joining the show yeah. today, man. We're we're extremely excited to have you on. Um, how how's the day so far today? Uh, pretty good. You know, I started off with my nine to five as per usual. I work construction and then uh, run Momentum Customs in the evenings once my kids go to bed. So you know, it's been uh, pretty good. Just starting on. Uh, Trey Ford's cleats here, actually. Oh my goodness! Nice, nice. <laughs> That—that's the leak that we were looking for extremely <laughs> early in the show. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Uh, Trey it's Ford's the hook. It's the hook for everybody yes. else. <laughs> uh, no, that's amazing. Um, I, I know that we can't wait to see those. I know that we just recently saw the Manny Arsenal uh, kicks, and then also the Gino Lewis cleats as well. So. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Before that, we have a lot of other show to go here. So uh, we're gonna give you the rundown. Let's go. So first off, we're gonna reflect on that Edmonton Elks versus Calgary Stampeders Labor Day rematch win at home, second win uh-huh. in a row at home for the Edmonton Elks, which is absolutely amazing beautiful you know in the stands for that uh for both games has been crazy it's uh it's miracle man it feels great to be back on the winning side of things especially at home because we've been either for so long i know for me it's like i don't even know where i am i'm so (laughs) new to that (laughs) oh no kidding no it's uh it's definitely special especially when you've been through so many home losses um so kathy's going to give you the quarter by quarter and then we're going to talk about that upcoming game, Edmonton Elks versus Saskatchewan Rough Riders in Saskatchewan. Um, that should be a really good game. Lots of meaning behind it. Following that, we're, we are going to open up the fan forum. So today we only have one topic, but it's a pretty big topic in the CFL. Good evening, Steve Benassi in the chat. We're going to get folks like Steve Benassi in the <laughs> chat to go ahead and speak up on these topics. So. Um, get in here with us. We'll bring you onto the show. We'll make sure that your voice is heard. Following that, we have an Edmonton sports update. Pretty big one today. There's a lot of stuff going on yeah, this time of year is. for sports. Yeah, it's starting to get to that point, right? What What is it that you told me in October? You get all three, right? All four, <laughs> all, all four, four, yeah. All four, yeah, with basketball as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sinjin, I'm sure you, uh, you feel that as well. Yeah, uh, I'm very excited about this time of year. You know, this is... Uh, kind of coming to the close of just football and starting opening up into a bunch of other sports and different activities going forward. So, you know, my year kind of looks a little bit different at this time of year now. So <laughs> Nice. No, exactly. Same boat. Um, and then we're going to, we're going to ask Sinjin a little bit more about him in the more you didn't know for the copyright. copyright. Yeah. <laughs> copyright infringement yeah. stuff. Uh, so, yeah. So, Let's let's dig into it. Kathy, give us the quarter by quarter. Yeah, we well, we of course went into this game with a loss against Calgary during the Labor Day. Uh, so we all knew that we were hungry for a win. 
right? So, and a home win at that because we had just gotten one. And of course, we want to make sure that we keep going. Uh, we had a really good kickoff. And of course, we were, we were able to get the ball back at a decent yardage, leading to that sneaky breakthrough by Kevin Brown ending in a nice little touchdown. You know, the broadcasters called it an explosive play. Uh, and I mean, in my opinion, and this is the point, this is the topic that I want to approach right now is how exciting but equally frustrating is it to watch Kevin Brown play? Because, you know, after that really great run, he by, by Ford, Ford had that really great run, and then he tried to do the exact same thing by sneaking through, but got taken down and he let the ball slip, which of course led to the weirdest turnover that I have ever seen <laughs> with everybody not sure, not knowing what the hell was going on, <laughs> you know? So what are your thoughts on Brown? And do you think he is considered to be a key component for the Elks improvements this year? Or do you think he still got, you know, a lot of way to go? I'm not sure. I think this is something that we see a lot in the CFL where you bring a guy in from the States, especially at the running back position. And you see their first year, they have this breakout incredible year. And a lot of times it's because guys haven't had film on them yet. Um, I still think Kev is a guy. I think he can still, you know, do his job. And, you know, uh, doing this project, I've had a chance to talk to him too. And uh, another big focus for them this year, if you go back and watch the tape on him last year, he liked to really bounce it out to the outside. So their focus in this year is trying to get him to run between the tackles. And if you watch the games this year, that's really what they've been doing. And he's found some success there. It's a little bit harder, a guy of his stature and size, to really muscle his way through that. But that's why we brought in the Shannon Brooks, who's a little bit more of that power back, really angry runner kind of guy, um, who's just a, a, a fun watch. And I, I'm really excited to see how they bring him more into the package coming forward as well to kind of give that complimentary look. Mm-hmm. Totally. No, and you said it best, right? Shannon Brooks, he's the the two to the one punch. So. Yeah. He usually does the north to south duties and you have Kevin Brown, you know, going east to west or however we want to say it. I think we know where I'm going with this. Shannon Brooks is the guy that runs along the line as opposed to through the line. So um, Shannon Brooks is definitely taking on that responsibility. Now, at the same time, we also have to recognize that the O-line is playing lights out right now. So in the first half of the season, this team was having a really, really hard time making any holes for Kevin Brown. Uh, Catherine earlier in the season, or on one of our previous episodes earlier on, she had mentioned that Kevin Brown seemed to be running into his own players, so right? Nice. So it's nice to see that we've moved away from that. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the fact that we're actually making holes. Like uh, Faku, Faku was a mm-hmm. big, big cog in the machine. For sure. uh, in in the last really four games, right? Yeah. And Steve Vanessa, I mean, he said it in there as well. Uh, Labor Day game, we should have won that one. Yeah, I mean, we we were really close then. This game was a little bit more of a flip flop. So I'll let you, I'll let you go on. <laughs> yeah, and that, well, that's just it. We go into the second quarter with the lead, of course, but then we start to see some issues there. Uh, I mean, first we go, we see Ford straight up being suplexed into the ground like i remember mentioning at that point that i i wasn't aware that we were watching wwe like what's going on here right and uh you know that that stop by pure four that was pretty that's pretty hard too as well i don't know if you saw that but he ran into that other yeah so everybody started to get rowdy 
Uh, Calgary gets a touchdown, sadly, but we, of course, try to fight back with Brown once again pushing uh, his way through the Calgary defense no. uh, for that first down on the drive back. Yeah. Right before the second quarter ends, Ford takes yet another really hard hit <laughs> to the chest, is taken away to get checked out. So, uh, this is what I want to talk about here is Trey Ford, of course. Uh, no doubt that he seemed to be off during that first half of the game. And, you know, even before he started taking hits, I remember mentioning the overall lack of energy from the team, but Ford wasn't throwing very well. And it just seemed like the chemistry and the energy that we had seen in previous games was off. So do you think perhaps that the pressure is starting to get to Ford or do you think he just had one of those days that, you know? Well, after meeting with Trey um, and kind of watching him through the season and kind of getting to know some of the players and, and their perceptions of him and stuff, he's not a guy that seems very rattled or, or feels the effects of pressure that much. Like, he started third on the depth chart, right? So, you know, for him to be starting, he's really taking his uh, his opportunities for, for the most here. And he's been the most consistent quarterback that we've had this year by quite a long shot. So I don't think it was really a, a situation like that. I think maybe um, it was more of just kind of getting into just having an off day and just getting back into the feel of, you know, winning at Commonwealth. You know, they kind of had that that feeling, you know, we just went to Calgary. We just had that loss. Now we got to face these guys again at home. And like, you know, maybe those what ifs kind of crept in a little bit that first quarter. And then, you know, they, you could kind of see him get into stride in the second and then coming out into the second half was just a totally different team in general. It wasn't just uh Trey Ford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, Trey Ford, I, I, I think a lot of what was happening is something that Sinjin mentioned earlier, which is a uh, film, right? Yeah. So we just played a game against Calgary we just dominated that game for the most part and then flopped in the fourth. And really that was our defense getting gassed. We lost momentum, no wind in the sails. However you want to play that loss up to either way, we lost it in the fourth. So the Stampeders went immediately to the film room and deciphered a lot of our plays from, from everything that I saw in that first half. It looked like Calgary knew exactly where to like, they knew where to be right. They knew. A lot of our plays, Trey Ford giving away that many interceptions that early, like, sure, uh, the fumble, right? The fumble, the, there's nothing you can really do about that. But when Trey Ford's almost getting picked off and getting picked off in that game, um, that that's good film. In my opinion, yeah. that's good film. Yeah, Calgary did a good job this game, too, like, of just containing Trey. You could really tell that that was kind of a big focus of theirs is not to let Trey, you know, have an open lane or a way to escape and really force him just to throw that ball. And especially if he's in an, in an un, in, uh, sorry in an uncomfortable situation, uh, to just let him make him let that ball rip versus tucking it and going like he, he's so lethal on his feet. Um, even if he can throw that pass, at least you have a, a better opportunity where he's he's gonna make two or three guys miss. That's just kind of the story as it's been so far this season. He's very athletic, very very much so. And we started the third. Uh, 10 points behind, of course. And to be honest, at this point, I think we were all doubting it, right? We started, we probably at this point all thought that we weren't going to come back from that. Uh, And of course, Ford made it a little bit difficult to think otherwise after that (laughs) intercept and then another intercept, right? And, but really after those hits, I really wasn't surprised. I, I was actually more surprised that he came back 
and continued playing after seeing those hits, after seeing those throws that you could see perhaps something was off with his wrist. I don't know. Well, he was um, injured. He was briefly injured in that game in the, I want to say the second quarter. I think that was he the fourth, wasn't it? Where he, he uh, went for the slide and he kind of got clipped as he went down. I thought that was in the fourth. No, no. So there, there was that hit in the fourth, but then I believe in there the was second. The suplex that they did on him and then right. the to the chest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was on the second for sure. Yeah. So I but think he, yeah, he might have. He went he, down. Yeah. Either way, he was pretty banged up after that. <laughs> right. One hundred percent. And you know, on top of that, we kept seeing zero man coverage. It was a lot of zone coverage, um, and it just definitely didn't help us at all. Right. Yeah. So at least he got us close enough by the end of that quarter. But I know a few people, us included, you know, we were thinking that perhaps that would have been a really good time to pull forward out and bring in either Dayi or Cornelius. Uh, it didn't if happen, if something didn't happen by the forward. No, but even even then, right, just because of how things were going down, yeah. how, things, how Ford was playing, it, it, it was off, definitely. So yep. I think I for sure was thinking it. I know Scout was thinking it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Do you, are you happy that they kept him in? Yeah, I'm always ha- like, I, I kind of grew up playing football too. And uh, I've played on teams where you, you switch personnel a lot. And then there's teams where you kind of stay solid. And then if guys struggling, you kind of take them out. And then sometimes you try to reintroduce that guy later in the game. And it's really up to the guy. Like sometimes that that's enough to shake their confidence for the rest of the game or, or in some guys cases, the season. And you can really put a guy off by doing that. Even look at uh, early on with TC, like, um Jones ran with him you know and we were all questioning why but like you could see it in his eyes like you tr- like um Taylor was having some troubles with with confidence issues you know and and really not being able to find a way to get the job done you could tell it was kind of weighing on him right so you know trying to to ride with that guy and and to let him know that we're confident in you, in you as a coaching staff and as a team is really important especially for the future of the team and right now even when I saw Trey like rolling around with his wrist in the fourth quarter there I was sitting there like, well, who are we going to put in? Yes, we have Taylor and yes, we have and Daggy, but we've kind of proven at this point, like it's just not working for our offense. And maybe that was just the, the McAdoo offense versus the Jarius Jackson offense, which I think is much more exciting to watch and is a much more complicated offense to, to defend against as well than, than McAdoo's kind of dated offense, in my opinion. No, definitely. And like Steve Benassi here says uh, that for Ford has to be smarted with his runs. He has to be more careful and not take unnecessary hits. He will get hurt eventually. And that's kind of one of the things that I have kind of said before. Yeah. That he has a tendency of running a lot, right? That yeah. he's not throwing enough. And maybe that's just because he's taking on this responsibility that he wants to do everything for the team. And he wants to just take on that and make sure that, uh, you know, he he's the one that is doing the job. And I'm not saying that he's, not a team player because of course he is, but it just feels like sometimes he is definitely taking a lot of unnecessary risks. And we saw that last season, right? That he got really seriously hurt and we definitely don't want to see that again, especially when he's performing so well and he's doing so great for us. But the thing with Trey is too, he's, he's young. Like he's still very young. He's still uh, very squirrely and wants to kind of do whatever he can to, to help this team win. If that means that he sacrifices himself in the meantime, that's kind of, his mentality to it. Like he's just a, he's a ride or die kind of guy like that. And he likes to make those big, exciting plays. That's kind of just the guy he is. Um, So for him to, to smarten up, I think he's going to take a couple, 
a year or two, a couple more hits, you know, to kind of, you know, be like, okay, maybe, maybe it's better for me to just kind of sit back, trust my O-line and my running backs to give me the, the separation of blocking that I need to deliver this ball where I need to. Cause it, the question isn't his arm. Like he does have a great arm. He does have fairly good accuracy. Yes. He's known more for his legs, but if we can just keep honing him and building his confidence and getting him that chemistry with these receivers, he's only going to get better as time goes on. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Then, I mean, we're seeing the results now, right? Yep. Yeah. And then and we just have to bubble wrap him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we start the fourth quarter uh, on the third and goal, and Cornelius does that graceful little leap over and yeah. gets that touchdown. Yeah. I always like seeing those. I feel like that's that's his that's his position. That's what he does, right? That's yeah, what it he does, does help when you're six foot four, six foot five, whatever he is. Yeah. Um, we unfortunately didn't get that extra point because Faithful missed that kick and man did it ever start getting exciting with 10 minutes left on the clock right Mm -hmm. I remember I remember as four started winding down for that pass that I was like hey where's Gino been where's Gino and then as he as four throws it scout jumps on he's like there's Gino (laughs) and it was Absolutely amazing as he caught the ball from Ford with that, you know, that fantastic throw. Gene has been Captain Clutch his whole career. That's just kind of his MO. That's what he's done. You know, he's he's always there when you need him to be. He may be a little bit quiet in a couple of games, but you can always count on him to make that big that big play. Even in the um the first win there, when he dumped that guy over his shoulder, like he, he was kind of quiet in that game up until that point. And then he just took it to the house and, you know, kind of built that energy across the team and we fed off of it, even in the stands, you know, I haven't heard Commonwealth uh, that loud or, or that pumped up in forever. Yes. Oh yeah. No, the building was definitely, uh, it was definitely blowing up, which was nice. And especially with us having crucial drives there at the end of the quarter. Oh, right? well, yeah. Yes. I mean, Mitchell ended up getting that touchdown. Um, and then, of course, we tried to go for two, but it didn't really quite pan out. The longest two pointer in history. <laughs> it was, I, I I didn't understand that, right? Because in my head, it's like, okay, we can go for one, and then we go for a field goal, and we can tie it and go to overtime, right? So right. in my, it, I was kind of wondering as to why they decided to go for two in that instance, being so close, and you know that 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 was me personally that I didn't necessarily understand. <laughs> when we could have had a chance to tie it. Yeah. It was so close. yeah I, I was kind of 50, 50 on that. Like I understood in the situation why they were thinking of going for two, because then you bring it within the basically uh, a touchdown and then you get a field goal to win. Right. Versus just going for a tie. Um, I think Chris Jones has passed the point of trying to bring this game into overtime. We already struggle enough as it is going into fourth quarters, let alone trying to pull up some overtime win right now. So I think he's just like, you know what, we're either going to seal it or we're done. And, uh, you know, after a pen, what was it, a penalty, um, a timeout, <laughs> there was a few things that happened on that, that drive. And it ended up being like 10 minutes of a two-pointer. There's even a point where our kicking or our kick return team or kickoff team, sorry, was on the field. And then they came back off to go run the two-point again. So, you know, it's just uh, one of those situations where I get where they were at. Maybe, maybe when your guys were already confused, uh, the first attempt, I would have just gone for the kick. Because you can see on the field, they're all lined up and they're they're all looking at each other. Yeah. Like, what are we supposed? What are we running right now? And you can see them doing their calls off to the side, and they're like, "Okay, just time out. Let's kick it." Like this, yeah. this obviously isn't working. So we got backed up, and we still went for it. And you know, thankfully, it worked out in our favor. But it really could have gone the other way there. 
Oh, oh totally. I know. And when, like, like you said, it was the penalties and our defense really showing up, making sure the Calgary, you know, the, their offense didn't make it far whenever it was their drive. Uh, you know, we managed to bring it back to midfield. And of course, um, you know, faithful kicks it through again with five minutes left on the clock. So thankfully we had that Ed Ganey intercept. And yes. I think that was really the turning point at this yeah. point. <laughs> I think yeah. that really was the, what do you call it? He's turning point. Yeah. <laughs> because after that, having a decent drive led us to have those last seven seconds of the game where exactly. the fate of this game was faithful. It, it fell on faith. <laughs> And, you know, based on based on all the hit or miss that we've had with Faithful, it was like, how, how, why are you doing that to us? Like, why, why my heart was pumping. It was stressful. I kept turning around and I kept holding on to scouting. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't watch. I can't watch. <laughs> you could cut the tension with a knife for sure. It's, uh, yeah. it's hard to be 100%, you know, when a guy hasn't been 100%, you know, and that's just any any football team, that's kind of one of those positions where, you know, you only get on the field three or four times, you know, sometimes in some games. And when you do, you got to make those count every single time. So, you know, for him to miss the extra point, which is kind of supposed to be a gimme, and then to drill that that, that game-ending kick was wild to see. And I know uh, something that's going to boost his confidence going in forward. I think he's also one of the oldest rookies uh, of all time in the CFL. So, you know, for him to kind of be like, you know what, I can still do this at this age, um, at the pro level is still pretty incredible to me too. So um, with all the, the feelings I have about faithful sometimes uh, you know, I'm very happy that he's been, he's been solid when we needed him to be this last bit of the stretch. <laughs> no, no, exactly. 36 year old rookie. Uh, Chris Jones called him 47 in the locker room, but Kevin's like, he's not 47. I'm like, no, but he went up by one and went up by one. So Thirty six is is his well, actual. Well, in football terms, he's really ancient at this point. Yeah, <laughs> he's glue factory in like four years, four five years. If you're John Ryan, um, yeah, I think John Ryan went to what? He went to around like forty, forty one, or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, kickers, depending like on on how well they take care of their body, is really the the and how long they can keep consistent is really the the length of their career, right? Like eventually that leg's just not going to have the same power. So you can't be expecting to, to be drilling them from the 50. And sometimes that's just not going to be um, good enough for a lot of teams. And, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Like look at Vinatieri, for instance, too. That guy kicked in the NFL for more than I was alive, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> At yeah. the point in time that he retired. Oh, exactly. No, I still had him on fantasy like a couple of years ago, right? <laughs> right. Uh, um no, uh, Stephen Assey here in the chat said the Elks heard turning point. That's what we're going to call it from now on. The Elks heard turning point. T-E-H. The T-E-H turning point. Rory Sperling in the chat here. That's my dad. He also says that we have a handsome guest. Yes. He's going to say that this guy looks a lot like him too. Ah, that's what he's going for there. But one big difference these past couple games is the team has seemed a bit more disciplined. Stupid penalties were previously costing them. So, yeah, really good point by Rory. Yes. The team has actually refrained from taking those drive-killing penalties or those drive-extending penalties, depending on, you know, which side you're on there. But they, they've stopped finding the ways to lose. Even that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that Calgary game, well, no, but that Calgary game, 
yeah, sure, something happened in that fourth, but then they yeah. went right back to the drawing board, lost another three quarters, and found a way to win. Exactly. And finding a way to win isn't something this team has done mm -hmm. since 2019. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, now they have to learn how to win. But yeah, oh. well, and and that's that's where they're at now. Yeah. I think they finally caught them all, right? They found 150 ways to lose it at home or <laughs> at football or in general right we know where we're going with this but um yes exactly <laughs> but they they finally have gotten to that point they're, i think they're finally sick of losing and seeing the team trending upwards right now is is unfamiliar territory especially for fans that are even recently coming on board within the last couple of years right right uh, it's 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 something special. It's, it's exciting. Nice, it's nice to feel this again. I so. have never felt what I felt <laughs> in those last seven seconds. <laughs> well, it's been so deflated in Commonwealth for so long. Like you know, you kind of walk in there, kind of knowing what's going to happen. You know, yeah. just like, well, I'm going to play for, I'm going to pay for this overpriced food and and really expensive alcohol, and I'm going to try my best to enjoy this in whatever way that I can. And you know, when you're watching the quarterback throw with his left hand, um. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Kind of gives you a little bit to question and really like, are we ever going to get out of this? Yeah. Um, so to finally go through all those trials and tribulations and finally get that, that nice sweet fruit on the other side. It's, it's yeah. great. And the energy, like I said a few times now on this podcast is like, I missed this. I miss that, that electricity in the stands. I miss running up the, the, the aisles, giving everybody high fives and cheering together uh, and just being there. It was one for the team and, and having the team, pumping everybody up and, and getting everybody into it as well. And really feeling like they're now connected with the people in the stands versus just going out there and playing some, some mediocre football. So. so totally. No. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll do a quick three, four minutes on this, but um, I had a really horrible first half of the game um, for whatever reason, there was some fan stuff happening and uh, people didn't like the horn that I was using and oh. I didn't like the horn I was using and <laughs> I still got to put the noise out there for the defense. So anyways, horrible first half, got all frustrated, took a break at the halftime, came back and uh, all of a sudden four to five young kids came down like heralds with their <laughs> horns. <laughs> yeah. Started blowing up for defense right going man just going hard and it, it was like one of those things where I was like I've never seen a full game from the situations in the stands all the way down to the turf I've never seen something turn around because even at the third quarter I looked over at Catherine and I'm like okay like what are we getting for Chinese food like <laughs> How are we yes exactly <laughs> well the bagheads were sitting like three or four rows behind me uh, yeah. there. So like, you know, I got, I got to walk past that and they're holding their sign that says shame and, you know, all the other signs and, and stuff like that. And it's like, man, like I get the frustration for sure, but like we got to find a way to dig out of this, not only as a team, but as a fan base as well. And just like, we need to support this team and, and let them feel that, you know, we're there for them too. And we're going to get through this together. And, you know, thankfully we were able to get that, that big dub and really change the, the entire atmosphere. Like, I feel like there's just a buzz, Again, from the moment you start walking into the stands, there's hope again before, yep. the, before the ball's even kicked off. You know, people, the, the general atmosphere is a lot more positive, you know. But then, again, you do, because it's still so fresh, the wound's still there, and, and then you get those penalties or a missed, a missed kick or a fumble or you get down a little bit, and it's just like putting salt back in that wound again. 
and it's uh it, it's hard to get rid of those feelings right now so you know um i hope we can keep doing what we're doing and i hope that we can find a way to win out the rest of the season and maybe have a a puncher's chance of making playoffs here and and really upsetting somebody so there's i think we have the, the ability to do it there's still a chance of all the next step will be the next game, which is against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Friday, September 15th. Yeah. Uh, we do have some transactions. We signed Vandervoort just five days after releasing him. <laughs> yeah. and, and we released uh, D-line or uh, D-line uh, Calvin Bundage six yeah. days after signing him. So Rather was, disappointing. Um, yeah. We also extended our own hometown offensive lineman, Cordy, through 2026, though. So that's some really exciting news. Massive. Um, we do have some injuries as well. Defensive back, Jeremy Dominique, mm. out with a hamstring injury. Wide receiver, Stephen Dunbar, of course, mm. is out with uh, ribs injured, with his ribs injured. And Marlo Sean Franklin Jr. out with a hamstring injury. We so. nailed the name this week, though. I we did. nailed it. It's always me. I'm horrible with names. My accent comes out. Well, no, sometimes when you, when so you type them down as well, though, sometimes you type them down as they list them in the in the injury. <laughs> yeah. List. So then you go last name. To, right. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I'm learning. You did it, though. This was Yay. 100% on Rock Band. <laughs> <laughs> on the Oaks Crawl. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So what are our predictions? What do you think? Are we going to win? I think we're going to win. Um, you know, Saskatchewan's, they're a good team too. Um, but I just, I like, to, I like to ride the wave. You know, I'm all positivity here when it comes to this team, especially right now, we got to keep riding this wave. I think this new revamped offense um, and Trey Ford as well, just kind of reinvigorates and there's always an energy uh, it's exciting football to watch. It seems like the players are excited to be on the field again. And it seems like the chemistry is, it, like I said, is getting there better and better every week. Yeah, they're starting to learn how to play from behind and like come back. They're learning how to not be deflated um, after a penalty. Uh, so you're starting to see that they're picking each other up on the sidelines instead of just kind of having their heads down and not really knowing what to do after they're down one score uh, or, or they've got a penalty that took some yards off and ended a drive. You know, you just really got to, mentally be tough and fight through those those situations and, and understand that it's the next play that matters not the one that just passed so as long as we can do that and we can stop um we can stop them from from running up the gut i think we've got a, a really good chance of, of stopping them and, and getting another w on the board here totally uh, i i agree i mean dola gala um i'm pretty sure that's who they're starting i saw the start versus sit cfl betting graphic and they were saying start Kevin Brown, but sit Dola Gala. Yeah. Which to me, that sounds like the odds may be in our favor a little bit. I, I do like how the Edmonton Elks stack up now as opposed to when we faced Saskatchewan earlier in the season. It's a totally different team than we were then, too. It's crazy. Totally different team. Um, I mean, some of the same players, but as far as the offense goes, completely revamped. Defense only it has improved. Mm -hmm. So this defense is going to be really, really exciting to watch, especially against somebody like Dola Gala. Um, I honestly don't believe that we lose this game. I don't, I, I honestly don't believe we do. I would be surprised if we lose. Um, Saskatchewan, they're really noisy. They're really loud there. I know that they ended up beating Winnipeg in that game, uh, the Labor Day 
uh, the Labor Day game mm-hmm. in Saskatchewan. They did beat Winnipeg, so it's not like I'm thinking we're going to roll them over or anything like that. I do believe that we're going to win by one score. Yeah, I don't think we're going to destroy them. It'll be a, a, maybe a kick even, or, or maybe a rouge. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's a rouge again. <laughs> Canada's okay. favorite point. That yes. would be exciting. Uh, myself, I do think we're going to win. Yeah. Just gonna leave it at that. Yeah. I do think I'm gonna win. Throwing it down. <laughs> Just throwing it down. I'm not betting on it though. I'm not betting on it. <laughs> I'm still smart. I still got my wits about me. But <laughs> uh, nice. Well, let's move on to our next segment here. Segment. Let's mm. open up the fan forum. So shout out to our live listeners, our live viewers right now. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're tuning in on Edmonton Sports Talk. You are choosing to listen to us over watching the Edmonton Elks game because this would be airing on Friday. (laughs) So if you are indeed listening to us, we thank you. We will send you. What are you doing? Go watch the game. Go watch the game. No, go watch the game. We'll send you some merch. Uh, Just get at us at the Elks Herd on Twitter. But more importantly, go watch the game, and we appreciate you tuning in from Edmonton Sports Talk. Maybe they're not an Elks fan. Maybe they just want Edmonton Sports Talk. Okay. Okay. So, guys, fan forum. This is the segment called the Fan Forum, uh, where we talk about some hot topics surrounding the CFL. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about each top. Well, only one topic for yeah, today. I have one. And our fans here, our viewers in the live chat, get in on this with us, and we'll bring you right in to the show. <laughs> All right. So our one and only topic for today. Reports have come out stating that Sunday CFL games have been a massive success for viewership. Some CFL fans don't like the Sunday games due to having to work the next day, you know, for attending live games, while others do like it because they can have their weekend and go through with their plans, and then they can go to football at the end of their weekend, uh, go to a football game. Do you think Sunday games are successful as a fan? Sinjin. Um, I'd say for me, I really like the Sunday game. It's kind of a nice punctuation point to the weekend. Um, kind of a good way to end off the weekend. Get a, hopefully a good win at home if you're watching it in stands. And then uh, go home, finish your, your afternoon off or your evening, sorry. And then wake up and go to work the next day. Um, but I can see where people who – I also live in the city where my team plays. So um, if you happen to live out of town, like I know my dad, for instance, lives out in Beggarville. So for him, if he was to make a Sunday game, it's a little bit more of a commitment and he's got to kind of really think about whether it's worth that drive and being getting home at whatever time. Right. Um, so I think for people that are out of town or, or live farther away from the stadium, it's a little bit more of a, a question mark if they're going to make it to those games. And that's the same thing with Thursday night games too. Mm-hmm. Totally. Oh, definitely. I think it's the timing right? 2 p.m., even 5 p.m. on a Sunday evening. It's, they're not bad because they're you're, not still, bad. They're leaving, you're leaving at a decent time. You still have a little bit of time to get home, unwind, and get ready for the workday the next day. So as long as they remain an early game and not 7 p.m. games, I think. Yeah. I mean, for myself, as far as I have known football, even before I was a fan, Sunday always equated to football. It's a football day, right? For NFL. Like for NFL, but it's it's just it feels like that's just a common thing that people just look at Sundays as a football day, right? Yeah, it's a traditional thing for sure. Especially like you said, down south, that's kind of just their Sunday and Monday is our football days for them. So 
for for that to kind of carry over here and then a lot of the players obviously are from the states as well so their families get a chance to tune into those games probably a little bit more than than the rest of the games so that's probably another reason why the, the viewership is so much larger is that american audience has an opportunity to kind of sit down and, and join us in uh enjoying our, our our nice football league that we have here well exactly no that and that's that's why the cfl did that right the cfl wants to get those american viewers tuned into our canadian product let's be real we have beaten the canadian horse we've tried to get a lot of you know that that demographic of the 30 to 40 or even 20 to 40 uh to to get in and to bring football traditionally down to their kids and to to everybody else in their family however here in canada we need to do a lot more work to get that viewership to get the viewership in the states you put the game on a sunday you would yeah. do the game on a Sunday, right? Yeah. A live game. Um, and then, of course, with betting and everything else, that's right. that's starting to take a, a really big hold as well. So, yes, Vegas. Vegas betting odds does apply <laughs> to CFL, right? I guess. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, sun, the Sunday viewership, um, sure, that's a big deal. More importantly, I think the tradition of football Sunday. I think <laughs> kind of getting into that groove and – and having the whole weekend instead of a Saturday night game where, you know, maybe you go out to the bar after and you have some bevies and you ring up a big old tab and then you regret it the next morning and then you eat Chinese food in, in you know, in the afternoon and all that. Right. Yeah. And then you waste a day and whatever. Um, with a Sunday, you have to be a lot more responsible, which is nice. Um, <laughs> but then the other thing, too, is you've you've successfully gotten to fulfill your whole weekend. Um, let's say you go camping. One of the biggest pieces of fan feedback this year was the Sunday games were great because people could go camping. They pack up at, you know, noon. They make it back to the city for three o'clock. They grab their jerseys, they grab their gear, and they head down for a five or a seven o'clock game on a Sunday. Yeah. Uh, where it does get painful is for families. Seven o'clock on a Sunday isn't necessarily yeah. ideal if you have kids, but um, maybe that's when it's the guys go out for a night or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I, we, I do. Of... Yeah. I, we do have some comments here on the chat first. Um, oh, let me go back. Steve does say that I like Sunday 2 PM games. Of course, <laughs> that's uh, the, that's the same thing that we say. And also we have Rory saying that Sundays are okay. And Thursdays suck. So <laughs> 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 I definitely agree on that, but this is a really good point that I definitely wanted to touch on is the NFL Sunday. Now we've talked about it. It's mostly on, you know, on the U.S. that they have an entire Sunday dedicated to NFL yeah. Mondays as well. But there's a lot of Canadian people that like to watch NFL football. So what happens when suddenly you introduce CFL football to this? Like in some, do you do you think that people are gonna prefer watching CFL when they have a favorite NFL team playing at the same time on the same day? You know, like, is there a conflict there? I guess that really comes down to what your preference is. Like, I love NFL football as well. But to me, and I, maybe I'm biased because I'm Canadian. I've always and I've only played Canadian football personally. So for me, I understand Canadian football a lot more than I understand the NFL game. Uh, not saying that I don't understand their game at all, um, but it is different. And there's certain rules and there's different aspects of the CFL game that I really like. Like, I love the Weigel rule. I love having that bit of uh, pre-snap motion before, and I wish that some CFL teams would utilize it a little bit more. 
um, because it is such a unique rule and it can really throw off a defense or help a young quarterback, for instance, Trey Ford, um, see what uh, coverage they might be in, whether they're in man or not, because they'll move with those those receivers as they move. Um, So it can help identify those kind of things a little bit more. Um, But yeah, just... um, Sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a second. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> NFL, you know, if CFL starts playing at the same time as NFL games. Right. So, conflict. The other part of that is too, like amongst my own peer group and friends that I have, a lot of them will prefer to watch the NFL over the CFL any day. The, the level of competition is just way higher than what we have here. And it's a quicker, uh, faster paced game uh, than what we have um, currently. So I think we lose quite a bit of viewership trying to compete in that same market as uh, as the NFL. But I mean, if it's still successful, it's successful. If it's if it's a better viewership day for the CFL, then it's just a better day. There's nothing you can really argue with analytics when when it comes to that. Well, over over up here in the chat, um, how about uh, CFL on Mondays? NFL plays on Monday. Uh, bring up that one real quick. Uh, yeah, I mean, if we if we have those opportunities, I'd love to see the CFL try it. Um, I think it's just because of the, the bulk of scheduling, right? More than likely we won't, but I wouldn't mind if they tried it. It would be cool to see because even then, right, Mondays suck. But Mondays don't have to suck if you go <laughs> to an Elks game, right? <laughs> a little bit more hardcore than some some average CFL fans, though. I think we're going to – you'll see a big dip. Same with you do on Thursdays in, in the attendance for the most part, where those Thursday games are always a little bit lighter than those weekend games. Uh, and that's strictly because a lot of that, out of, like I said before, that was out of town guys. Yeah. They're not coming in after, they're not going to be able to make it after work unless they're leaving early, which is a sacrifice to their, their salary or, or their, their paycheck, you know, and then they're also getting home late. Uh, and in a lot of cases, those are all going to be six o'clock, seven o'clock starts. So they're not getting home till 11 o'clock midnight, depending on where you live. So, you know, that's a big commitment for those people to, to decide to sacrifice their their sleep schedule to make sure and even their work schedule to make sure that they can be there for those games. Well, exactly. And then tailgating is a big part of that, too. Right. So if yeah. we're going to try to build a tailgater, let's just let's just start with Sundays. Yeah. Well, and here, John, actually, in the chat, Randy, uh, Ambrosi. Randy Ambrosi said that there will be no Sunday CFL games when the NFL starts, which is so smart. Yeah, that kind of answers that question, right? They really don't want to be up for that competition because they might very well lose. Yeah. Well, in every every television network, their ratings are going to be three times as much for an NFL game for any CFL game. So we're just not even going to get that TV slot is the other thing too. It's not even, it's not unless we paid them. Basically, we're not going to get that that slot. Yeah. No, exactly. And then yeah, Steve Benassi. I mean, NFL pick him in fantasy leagues and. Also bet on NFL games, and he would choose to go to the CFL game. Hey, better boy, Steve. Yeah, see, Steve Nassi, <laughs> good guy, Steve. Um, alrighty, so we're gonna go ahead and close the fan forum. Thank you very much, everybody, for participating in that one today. Uh, every Wednesday, there's gonna be a fan forum. I think the fan forum is officially here to stay. We tried it out in. Uh, in, in some earlier episodes and we found that it's just a lot of fun. So thank you very much, very much everybody for participating, including you, Sinjin. Thank you. So much. <laughs> um, alrighty. Next up, we have the Edmonton sports update.
Today's update is brought to you by Herdies. Catch us at every Edmonton Elks tailgate party in stall number 44. Herdies, we smoke the meats. Last Saturday, the Edmonton Elks defeated the Calgary Stampeders in a walk-off finish. The Elks visit Saskatchewan to take on the Rough Riders. Kickoff is at 7 p.m. Mountain, and you can catch the game on 6.30 Ched and TSN. The Edmonton Oilers training camp is officially underway. The Oil kick off their, their appearance at the Young Stars rookie tournament on Friday against the Winnipeg Jets in Penticton. Puck drop is at 5 p.m. The Edmonton Oil Kings have announced the Oil Rumble in partnership with Love Pro Wrestling for January 21st, 2024. Congratulations, Love Pro Wrestling. And the University of Alberta Golden Bears football team defeated the Manitoba Bison 37-16 last Friday. They take on the Saskatchewan Huskies in Saskatoon on Friday. Kickoff is at 7 p.m. Mountain. Where the Elks are, you're up to date. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For our affiliates, this is like one of my favorite parts because we get to talk about RoyalRetros.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Stampede, Code Stampede, does not have anything to do with the Calgary Stampeders. Nothing. We're actually celebrating the 2023 USFL champions, the Birmingham Stallions, with 10% off over at RoyalRetros.com. So go ahead, use the code Stampede, giddy up. And then... We're going to let everybody know that Things Engraved is the official merchandise supplier of the Elks Herd and Shotgun Sports. So the links will be in the description. There's always something on sale over at thingsengraved.com. We just got a shipment. We just got the plaque for the chili cook-off uh, trophy. There is going to be a trophy for that. There is a trophy. <laughs> Pardon me. There is indeed a trophy. Uh, it's very, very sweet. Our friends over at You Need a Barbecue have also pitched in a prize. And we're in talks with the Edmonton Elks to hopefully get a prize for the chili cook-off as well. So, yeah, stay tuned. Last affiliate, though. If you if you eat a lot of chili and you make a mess everywhere, you're going to need to clean up, right? So you're going to need some soap. L-A-T-H-R. Lather.com. Uh, use co code shotgun sports 15, no spaces, no underscores, just shotgun sports 15 to get you 15% off over at lather.com. So wash those dirty thoughts with some soap and the chili. <laughs> You're gonna get all over yourself. So I'm, I, that's gonna be what are you doing with that chili, sir? Okay, so uh, our, our the best part of this show is the more you didn't know we're gonna go ahead and ask sinjin here a couple of questions and we may just ask one or two about cleats of strength <laughs> um so question number one sinjin we know that you're involved with the elks with cleats of strength because you're an ee -E fan so yeah. could you please tell us how you became a fan and give us one of your favorite moments oh oh boy so I became a fan. I was really young. Um, so my dad started taking me to games and my dad's always been a big sports fan my whole life. So 
I remember watching the team on TV and then he ended up getting season tickets as I got a little bit older and going to lots of games with him. And I remember constantly getting the little footballs, even up in the second decks back in the day and then playing catch on my walks back to Borden Park to get back in the car at the parking lot. Uh, so those are some pretty sweet memories, but I must've been five or six, somewhere in there. The first Elks game that I can remember kind of going to, um, and then or Eskimos at the time, I should say. And then uh, favorite moment, uh, going to the Grey Cup, and I think it was 2010 or 20 or 2009 when it was in Edmonton, uh, was the craziest experience of my life. Um, I remember kind of just being in the stands and seeing that there was jerseys of every team. Uh, and I think it was Montreal playing, and I can't remember who was playing, who else was playing in that game. Um, but it, I just remember the the experience and the energy. Uh, of being at a, a great cup game and how cold it was as a fan was just insane. I'll never forget it. Oh, oh, that's hopefully, amazing. hopefully we get another one here so that I get to experience that. It sounds like it's so much fun. You, you missed out on 2018. I mean, I you, did. you, you know, you, you, you were lucky to miss that one. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the only football game in, uh, I want to say I've left football games like four to five times early, and that was one of them that out of all fun. the games yeah. I've been to. So oh, I have yeah. heard about You've it. heard the legends. Yes. Also, Sinjin, <laughs> um, your dad yes. said you were three. Not <laughs> yeah. See, it was, I remember it was been quite young. Like, as far as I can remember back, uh, as, the only football I knew growing up was, was Eskimos football. So I didn't even know about the NFL really or got interested until I was in junior high. Uh, so this, this team's everything to me. <laughs> Uh, that's amazing. See, and that's what we try to instill on the boys, our boys as well, right? So yeah. such great memories. Okay. But um, we also know that Fleets of Strength started Momentum Customs, which is your business in designing and customizing shoes and cleats. So yeah. what is the story there with Momentum Customs? What can you tell us about it? So I actually started Momentum Customs about uh, a year ago in June, I believe it was. I kind of... I started working through my cousin's construction company and they had a networking event I uh, had held through MNP uh, that was being held at the Commonwealth stadium on the turf and they're doing some drills and stuff. And they knew I was a football guy and they didn't really want to go. So they ended up sending me. And when I was there, I kind of, you know, they had a couple players on the field and stuff. So my dad's biggest, uh, uh, my bad, I'm sorry. My dad's favorite football player uh, is James Wilder Jr.'s dad. Uh, back when he's playing with Tampa Bay, also my dad's favorite NFL team. So I had the opportunity to kind of get one-on-one with uh, with James. And so I kind of pulled him aside for a second. I was like, hey, man, like I don't have any work to show you at this point in time, but I've been customizing footwear for a couple of years for myself and for a couple of friends, um, but I just don't have anything to show you. Would you mind if I took a pair of cleats from you for free and I did something for you and, and gave them back? And he said, oh, yeah, no problem. So invited me out the next day to a kid's camp that he had to – helped me get those cleats and then went down to the, into the locker room and got, uh, got those cleats and did uh, a nice little design kind of with the same uh, splatter as the seats kind of have that green to yellow with the little speckles kind of happening. I did that on his cleats and that kind of got me off running and kind of started from there and then kind of had a lull and get a lot of business. So I just went through the entire roster that I could find online and found everybody's Instagram and just started messaging everybody from G-Roy to uh, guys on the staff different players and kind of just letting them know that I exist and that, that, that there's a product in Edmonton uh, for these custom cleats. Cause you see them in the NFL all the time. Um, and then, yeah, I just got kind of, I got a message back uh, beginning of this spring 
um, from someone from Brian Swain at the, the Elks. And they uh, asked me if I wanted to be a part of this amazing project to raise some funds for the salary. And I couldn't say no. That's amazing. No, that's, it's great because uh, I mean, I definitely had to do my research there and it's funny. You mentioned the James Wilder uh, cleats because I remember James Wilder, like he was, he was a good friend of ours as well with his, uh, with his time in Edmonton. Uh, James Wilder Jr., awesome guy, great philanthropist. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I saw those cleats. I saw that he had posted those. And I, I was looking at them and I'm like, these are extremely sick. This, this is great to see this. And looking back at it, James Wilder also likes to, with his philanthropy, he had something called cleats for a cause, right? Yep. So I wasn't sure if he was trying to uh, auction these off or do kind of like the pre cleats of strength right he kind of was he did message me shortly after and like i was super swamped with my day job at the time and i kind of just wasn't expecting anything to kind of come out of that uh, at the moment so he messaged me he was like hey would you be able to do a cleat for every every game and uh, at that point in time like it's just me kind of doing all this so i'm trying to work so i can feed my family and everything else so um i just didn't have the time to make that that a reality at that point in time so it's something that i immediately was like oh this is this could be something where I'm, I'm doing cleats throughout a season um and how would i approach that workload and how would i make sure that i can do my day job and put food on the table but then also still build my own company and, and do this amazing artwork for these players and and try to maybe uh do something for a bigger cause than just you know some cool artwork Totally. No, it's uh, it, it's really special to see, right? And we feel your pain with the day job uh, grind and then coming home to grind some more and totally understandable, right? When you get approached with something like that and you're trying to build a passion project, but at the same time, you've got to put food on the table. Uh, you also have to drink water. You also have to... <laughs> yep. You know, brush your teeth. Take and do... care of yourself. Do all the things that keep you alive. Exactly. <laughs> so when, you know, even with that yes. whole James Wilder opportunity, it didn't work out then. So that cleats of strength could yeah, happen yeah. now. Exactly. So um, so with cleats of strength, this is a program where you're designing cleats for players with children from the stallery and then the proceeds go go back to the stallery right yeah yeah okay so could you please tell us a little bit more about the cleats of strength program yeah so the way it works is there's nine cleats one for each home game and there's been a couple injuries that have kind of set back a couple cleats and you know they're they're to be revealed and come out as they as they come um but uh They've reached out to the stallery, the, the Elks have reached out to the stallery, and then they pair a stallery kid with a player. And then we go into a room, meet the player and the kid, and we discuss whatever the, the, the kid's dream cleat would be, whatever they, they're interested in, kind of if it's something about their, their, their story and what happened with them at the stallery uh, or why they went to the stallery with um, – uh, Gino's cleats kind of had that that brain pattern on the inside, and that's part of the kid Coy's uh, story. He had brain surgery, so th- that was on there. Jamin's cleats for the twenty second, uh, they feature a curved spine up the back heel because the girl that designed those has scoliosis, and then she also has Chiari malformation. So the other cleat kind of features some stuff based on on that. So hers are really personal 
um, and more based on her diagnoses and her time in the stallery than some of the other cleats, which kind of feature just more cool patterns and stuff. So it really depends on what the kid um, wants and what the player also wants in, in that regard as well, or is it okay with, with putting on their feet? So it's been a really cool experience. The players have all been super awesome with the kids. The kids and their stories have been absolutely incredible and gives me so much more fire to, to attack this in a different way. And it's been a challenge in a lot of ways as an artist to not just do what you've designed really, but to take something from someone else's brain and create something that a little bit more of a grown up refined version of that, but still keeping true to that, that same drawing or, or crayon drawing that they, they put out for me. Uh, so it's, it's been a really cool experience and, you know, looking back, uh, it's, it's kind of gone by in a blur, but I've kind of gotten to know all these kids and their families and, and their stories and what makes them them. And, you know, I, I as a kid, uh, I had RSV, which is a respiratory virus, and I ended up passing away and then was resuscitated. But that was before the story was a thing. So for to know what that did, how that affected my family, and to know kind of where these families are coming from, it's so important that we have this hospital and to be able to give back and to help my community is so important. Oh, I can imagine. I mean, we had Whitney reach out to us on Facebook, on our Facebook page, and she had yeah. mentioned the relationship that you had built with her son, Jace, and how you have, you two have a special connection for a lifetime now. So yeah. how special is it, right, to work with children, with these children, and help the Stollery just reach that goal and just creating these connections right it's incredible like honestly you know everything aside it's been just a such a great experience like you know i'm I'm awake till ungodly hours in the morning sometimes getting these cleats done and then waking up early to go to work and you know just giving everything i got to to make these these dreams come true but jace is an awesome kid you know him and ag have created a, an awesome uh, bond as well. And they talk quite often. So, you know, to be able to, to get to know these kids and their families, like I said, is, is there's really no words to explain it. It's, it's incredible. Um, I've gone out to, they were doing a 24 hour flagathon in Fort Saskatchewan. So I went out and watched a little bit of one of Jace's games there and some of the, the other games that were going on there and just kind of showed my support. And then I'm going out to Fort Saskatchewan this weekend to drop off uh, another bag of cans to help him raise funds for his football team and, and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's bigger. A lot of times it's things that are bigger than yourself that, you know, really matter. And I've kind of always been a guy like that. That's kind of given myself to, to the big, bigger and greater cause than, than personal gain in a lot of ways. Uh, that's, that's so special. It's beautiful. I, right. Thank you so much for what you're doing for the community and for the kids. I mean, we have kids ourselves and, like it makes me a little emotional, right? <laughs> Thinking about it because I wouldn't want to ever have my kids go through a situation like that, but knowing that there are the resources, that there are the people out there that will make their stay at a hospital hospital like that comfortable and something a lot better than just being at a hospital. It's yeah. so important. They offer so much at the Stollery too. Like I kind of always heard about it being in the community, but then being able to go there and meet with some of these kids for the first round of, of design that we did was actually in the Stollery Hospital. So the first three cleats, which was AG's, um, Jake Serezna's, and Niles Morgan's, we filmed and, and uh, designed all those in the Stollery. So I got to see some of the other rooms that I've never seen there before. And they offer like music to the kids to help them get through. So even if a kid can't get out of the hospital, 
and they're there for a while, they can still go to school. They can still have those, those one-on-one relationships with, with other kids. And, um, you know, getting, like I said before, getting to know these kids and what, what pushes them is uh, truly inspirational. And as a father, you know, myself, it's uh same thing where, you know, I, I couldn't imagine being in that situation or even the situation that my parents were in when I was little, I, I've, you know, I don't know what I do in those situations and I do anything to, to make sure that my, my boys are okay. Um, so the fact that that's just in our backyard and it's such an important piece uh, for, for a hospital and for children's hospitals in Canada is truly incredible. No, totally. Um, and I think like the more inc- most incredible part of this is there's people that might do what you do out there, you know, at a similar capacity or something like that. But um, hearing the story about you and Jace and then hearing how much more you're invested and, and how now all of these children look up to you and they look at you as, as somebody bigger, right. As somebody like a, like a big friend, a, a yeah. big friend, right. Which is, it, it's beautiful. There's no other way to put it because, these kids kind of need somebody like you, right? And you don't necessarily have to be genuine in what you're doing, or you could be looking at this as a money opportunity or, you know, whatever. You could be privately pursuing Connor McDavid and <laughs> whoever else in town, right? But yeah. um, instead of pursuing that, you're bringing bottles for Jace's team. So uh, very beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And yeah. Um, uh, real quick for our viewers, because we do have one last question on our list. Uh, Steve Benassi said, great story and good on you, Sinjin. Um, he's loving it. If, if anybody else in, in the live chat has any questions, uh, we probably have a little bit of time to take some here. Um, as far as our questions go, our last one is, where can we find you online? And I know that you leaked the tray forward, but if you have any other leaks or if you had a sneak peek or anything that like that. That was like within the last, the first few seconds. <laughs> new viewers over here that don't know about that leak. So, yeah. <laughs> so as it's been said right behind me, actually in frame here is Trey Ford's cleats that I'm working on for cleats of strength right now. Um, so I'm just kind of getting through the beginning stages of prep here. So I'll kind of show you this one's nice and clean. You know, all the white is white again, and a lot of that won't be that way when you guys see them next. But this is kind of how they they came to me a little bit beat up and and dirty. So I kind of put everything through a really rigorous cleaning uh, process and and uh, take off the factory finishes to get those started, um, and then I, I paint on top of that surface after. But uh, as for leaks, I don't really have anything in my studio right now. Kind of everything's been done and then hand it off as soon as I finish it. So I don't really have much sitting around to show other than kind of what's behind me at the moment. Um, That's good for business though, right? That's good yeah. for business. Yeah. yeah. And then as for uh, finding me online, uh, the main way is my Instagram at Momentum Customs, all one word. Uh, I'm on that more than anything. Uh, I do have a Facebook page as well. I'm working on a website. Um, so once that gets happening, I'll plug that in my bios and then you'll be able to find me there as well. Um, but if you're looking for, uh, pricing or anything like that, just shoot me a DM and we'll kind of go through what you're looking to get, um, and what, what that's going to take. Cause like, it's not, it's not a quick process, not just me putting paint on the shoe. Uh, I prep it and make sure everything's got the best possible chance of being wearable. You know, a lot of customizers do just make art pieces that sit on a wall 
And uh, I grew up, uh, I grew up kind of on the north side of Edmonton here. So I grew up a little bit on the poorer side of things. And for me, I didn't get the new shoes all the time. So to be able to make something that's at least wearable, it, it might be a bit of a, a price point that's more of a luxury item for sure. But, you know, to, to make it that wearable is really important for, for me and my business. Oh, that's, that's great. That's, that's that added bid, right? Like, like that little bit of value that you need that to bring you over the edge. So um, especially with these shoes being out, these cleats being out here now, um, you have a, you have an amazing portfolio. I took a lot of the pictures. I screenshotted a lot of them. I was supposed to get them over to Catherine. I did not get them over to Catherine, so therefore we cannot bring Sorry, them up. Sorry, everybody. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a me problem. I will, I will get better at that. Uh, on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. The Instagram, at Momentum Customs. And then uh, the other thing that we can do, too, is you still have a couple more cleats to design and to make. Uh, you said that there was also some shelved ones. So why not in the off season? How about we do a follow up on this and we'll have you back on the show. Uh, we would definitely love to have you back on the show. Talk about the rest of the season and uh, maybe see what other projects you have going on at that time. Yeah, for sure. And then I'm, I'm just going to add it in really quick too. I do skates as well. It's kind of nice. like a market that I've noticed is kind of untouched in this. So I, I started doing oh, skates sorry. last year. I did it for my dad. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. And they did a Winnipeg versus Oilers pair, which I'm really proud of. That kind of has that retro vibe to it. They're super sweet. And then I'm going to do a couple pairs uh, just to kind of do display pairs. So I have some stuff to show around. Because like I said, I've been so swamped this summer. I haven't had a chance to really do anything to kind of just carry around and, and show people. I've been kind of working on client pieces the whole time. Um, but yeah, I do skates. I do shoes. You know, I do cleats and different various types of uh, athletic footwear. So, you know, uh, if you're looking to get something custom, let me know. Awesome. No, I I did see your skates. I did see the uh, the Winnipeg versus Oilers. Uh, those are those are very very nice. Definitely a market that's un, untouched, untapped. We we actually have a friend who also uh, went a little bit viral off of her Connor McDavid paintings and jackets and all of that stuff. And um, from what we know, she may be dialing it back on all of that stuff to focus well, it's, on. It's other difficult, ventures, right? So. I mean, it's like you say, everything is handmade. Everything is painted by hand. Everything takes weeks. So, and that's what people have to remember about locally sourced, great art. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a lot of times it's not cheap. And, you know, I try to try to keep myself in the market where it's, it's mostly affordable for people where, you know, I'm not starving myself out, but there is like, you know, if it's going to take me 40 hours to do a piece, you know, I'd like to get paid for my time for that. <laughs> exactly. And we, I mean, we, we're also very familiar with that as well, right? We, uh, we pretty much just did strictly free. We're still doing freelance uh, media. And eventually now we're at the point where it's like, Hey, now we can, now we've kind of delivered a little bit of quality. Now we can, you know, hopefully <laughs> go get some uh, advertising partners and sponsorships and everything else. But um, you know, no matter what, uh, every great business person knows that you have to go a year or two working without paying yourself before you truly get to see those kind of rewards. And I think what's beautiful about what you're doing with Cleats of Strength is while you're building up and while you're working through that one of those years, one of those, one of those gimme years, you're also giving back to the community and you're giving back to uh, the Stollery, which is an amazing organization. 
Uh, they also got uh, MD, MD Care, uh, or uh, yeah, I believe it's MDH Care, MD Care, that's also jumped on board with the Elks to help out with the Cleats of Strength program. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it's something that you don't really hear about. And even with that NFL comment with, yes, we have, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of those custom cleats out there and they wear them through the game or sometimes they get fined if they wear them and then they pay the fine or whatever. Those usually aren't directed towards an amazing cause, right? Such yeah, as there's, there's one week in particular, and one of the guys, like I, I consider him a mentor to me. His name's uh, Dylan DeJesus. He runs DeJesus Custom Footwear. You can also find him on Instagram or YouTube or, or any uh, social media platform. It's kind of where I learned how to do all of this from. But uh, he was one of the original artists for My Cause, My Cleats, which is their version of Cleats of Strength, but it's only one week. And it's across the entire NFL where they can wear whatever color, whatever cause they want to do. And then they can auction those off for uh, for that cause. So this is a little bit more localized, um, obviously, just just to one team and to and to one great cause and one great organization. Um, so it is kind of the Canadian version of that. And I know that there's a couple other customizers here in Canada scattered across our great country um, that I hope, you know, this kind of opens the door for them, too to uh to join in on this and, and to help raise some funds for some great organizations um across the country totally no love, love what you said there right really hope that this idea and everything about cleats of strength we really hope that that spreads gains awareness and we hope that other teams start doing it so you know 2024 as much as, hey, sometimes we don't like it when somebody cramps our style, right? The Edmonton Elks <laughs> did it first. Uh, Sinjin did it first. As, as much as we'd like to keep that our little secret, no, this is for the greater good of everybody. So we'd love to see every CFL team doing something like this and, and partnering like Métis, right? You are yep. a local Métis artist. So mm-hmm. um, that's something that I, I wish we would have mentioned this earlier, but I mean, you know, the, that is yeah. that is actually extremely massive because it, it goes into the whole our team, our city. It goes into mm-hmm. the community-based part of it. We should be celebrating, especially with the Indigenous logo that they that they did up earlier this year. I love that logo. Oh, it's, it's a beautiful. It's beautiful. Amazing, it's beautiful. yeah. No, it, it is a very, very beautiful logo. And it's, it's nice to see that the Edmonton Elks, despite all the name change stuff and mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whatever other controversies were there, the Edmonton Elks are very, very dedicated on still working with uh, Indigenous communities. So I'm uh, very, very, very happy about that. And you, to, to us, honestly, it's, it's something that we, we almost missed, honestly. But it, it's just an added bonus to what you do with Cleats of Strength, right? So Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it's... Uh... It's a big part of who I am. You know, I didn't always feel that way growing up, obviously. You know, sometimes, you know, growing up in the city, uh, there's a lot of negative stereotypes that roll around. So it's kind of something I grew more into as I got older. And I'm really proud of my heritage um, and really trying to fight. You know, I want to make sure that my kids kind of go get to go to powwows and enjoy the culture and learn about it more than, than I was able to um, when I was young and trying to really introduce them to that. Uh, I think it's really important for the future of not just, you know, for Indigenous children, but for just people and our country in, in general to kind of really understand uh, the cultures of, of the Indigenous peoples. Totally. No, love, love it. Love it for sure. Um, I think celebrating that wherever we can, right? Um, it, it, it It's something beautiful. And the, seeing the Edmonton Elks as well, making sure that we celebrate it wherever we can and 
getting the community involved with it and even the indigenous celebration night it was a beautiful night uh ashley calling bull killed it in that outfit yes. uh you know ashley calling bull friend of the herd you know <laughs> awesome lady but anyways no it's amazing and we definitely can't thank you enough for what you do sinjin um when now that we know that you're right around the corner from us I have yeah. a feeling that we're going to go for, uh, you know, maybe a beverage or something when we all have time. Uh, maybe a hot dog or something, you know? Hot- yes, sir. Like an ODR or something in the winter? Jesus, you don't invite people for hot dogs. <laughs> well, hey, I, I was, it's a lot better than beer, right? <laughs> nobody wants to go for beer. No, nobody. Uh, no. no. I was going to say something about Wayback Burgers, but we haven't gotten a sponsorship or advertising yeah. deal with them yet, so we can't even yeah. mention. You might as well beat that one in the edit, too, then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, everybody, um, unfortunately... That's our time. This is, this is our time. We have just about run out of time. Um, Sinjin, one more time for our viewers, uh, our, our live viewers and our viewers on Edmonton Sports Talk. Where can we find you online again? Momentum Customs at, on Instagram and on Facebook. And then I'll be linking my uh, my website into the bio as soon as it's completed. Awesome. Love thank it. Thank you so much. No, no worries. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I can't, th- can't thank you enough for joining us today, Sinjin. Uh, to our viewers, thank you so much for tuning in. For everybody on Edmonton Sports Talk, thanks a ton for tuning in. And I really hope you didn't miss that Edmonton Elks game. Um. My name is Scout, a.k.a. The Rev from Section X. And I'm Catherine, a.k.a. Do You Even Else? And that is Sinjin Sperling, and we cannot thank you enough for joining us today, Sinjin. Thank you again. It's been a great opportunity, and uh, I'm very excited for the future. <laughs> Yay! Real, real quick last one on the way out, Steve Benassi. Oh. Being, oh. Being Métis is something to celebrate. Time to smudge stall number 44. Let's go. <laughs> I love smudging. This is one of the greatest things ever. We got to get a whole bunch of people together and just smudge Commonwealth. Let's Let me know. Let's do it. Let's just do it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do a secret session in uh, in the off season. We'll, uh, we'll work some contacts and make our way in. We'll sneak in and just... And, run around. Yeah, and then the Edmonton Elks will know exactly uh, the, all the evidence is right here on the Elks call. <laughs> there you uh, go. We're going to cut the last 30, you know, one minute and 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Guys, thank you so much once again, Have everybody for joining. Thank you so much. Have an awesome night. We are the Elks Herd. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>